What Goes On Media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. It's time now to hear from Richard. Well, I sort of knew that I was different about the age of seven. You know, th- there was, you know, this real feeling that I kind of like had an attachment to other boys. It, it certainly wasn't sexual in any way, shape or form. It was an emotional attachments. And I kind of had this strong sense that, you know, I was kind of different from other kids because uh, of the way that I felt and I remember seeing I'm not sure what TV show it was but there was a TV show on in which one of the characters a lad came out to his family and it was a comedy show and his family were all kind of like making fun of him and stuff but I remember when he said the word I thought that's what I am now on on this show the the, the, the word they used was homo so I thought yeah that's me I'm a homo because like, he's talking about kind of liking other guys and stuff, uh, and, and, and again, it, it wasn't sexualized. It was it was very much about feelings, having feelings for someone of the same gender, and I kind of knew then, and that was in primary school, and at the same time, I knew to keep it quiet. I just, every instinct told me to keep it quiet because people wouldn't understand, and people wouldn't get it. It's almost like it was like something that felt so natural to me to have to hide it. Were there other people getting bullied then? Was that the problem? Was it, were there other people saying things? I think um, what was happening with some of the boys in school was that they were being called names. So, like, they were, you know, were, were being called sort of female names and those female names were, you know, kind of casting aspersions to their sort of sexual identity, you know, so stuff like homo was, you know, homo and queer and bent and that kind of stuff was being used a lot on the playground. Um, I think also part of not wanting to tell anybody was knowing that it was out of the normal. And I really, really wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like a regular kid, I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to, you know, s- s- stick out um, from from the ordinary. And the main reason for that is because, you know, um, I'm a black guy. Both my parents are from the east coast of Africa, and you know, I was born in, in the UK. And I just really wanted to fit in, and I thought, wow, I can't really tell anybody about me being gay because I'm already trying to fit in as a black kid, you know. And I was was going to primary school, that was a majority white primary school, so I thought, I don't want to create any more differences because there's already a visible difference already. And tell us a bit about your religion or your family's religion as well, because that was another aspect to, to you not really wanting to come out as well, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my parents are both Muslims and they raised me and my brothers to be Muslims. And it was so important, you know, uh, having that faith, you know, having to go to mosque uh, on a regular basis every Friday, going to Arabic school as well, uh, sort of locally and sort of learning the Quran and kind of like Islamic teachings as well. Um and I guess my parents um, became less devout uh, for a couple of years, but then returned back to being really, really devout. And so the belief that I had as a seven-year-old was that I, 
I wasn't right with God. It didn't feel right with God because you know, I'd heard comments made in the mosque and I'd seen stuff on TV as well uh, where it wasn't okay to be Muslim and be gay. And that the way that I was feeling uh, was in some way against God. It was against uh, the kind of normal things in life, you know, uh, that I'd been taught about through my faith. So I, I, I almost felt like I was a real disappointment, not only to my parents, but also in terms of that relationship I had with God, you know, um, that I was almost kind of letting God down sort of thing, um, and that I wasn't right or I wasn't normal. I, I think the, 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 the faith was... was uh, a very, very important part of my life as a Muslim, you know, I find that um, you can draw tremendous strength and, uh, and certainty from belief. Uh, but, but I didn't feel strong back then. I felt so terribly confused and very, very conflicted, really. And I, I, I guess because of my faith, I tried to hide my sexual and emotional identity as someone who was gay, I, I tried to pretend it wasn't there. I was kind of hoping it would go away, but it seemed to just kind of be there. So you obviously hid it for some time. At what point in your life did it change, and why did it change, and why did you eventually manage to have that conversation with people? I guess it was going to, you know, high school, really. I think having left um, primary school and moving on to high school, it was very different because it's uh, it's a different environment. There's more... People are a bit more different. You're allowed to be different. So I was kind of hanging out with some of the goths and the emos and the, you know, and the rockers as well. And they were... They stood out, you know, in terms of having different hair colour and, you know, kind of breaking the rules and kind of wearing their clothes differently and different music tastes and I was really drawn towards that because I thought you know what rather than kind of try and be accepted and super accepted by everyone around me perhaps you know it's okay to kind of be different and to, to kind of stand out a little bit more and they accepted me they really accepted me for being into their kind of music and into their kind of uh, styles kind of clothes and stuff and I guess that was around the time I thought you know I could probably maybe say something. I could probably kind of like see how that goes down with them because there were quite a few bands back then in which, you know, some of the lead singers, etc., were you know were, were queer in some way. They were bi or they were, you know, they were gay. And you know, like the, the, there were lots of people who were into David Bowie, and he was like, you know, he was openly bisexual. And um, and various other bands like Judas Priest, like the lead singer was gay. Um, so it's like you found your tribe, but it wasn't necessarily a gay tribe. You found your tribe through music. Yeah, yeah, it was so important. You know, like those the anti-establishment words that they'd sing about, etc. I thought, you know what? I'm trying so hard to be part of the establishment, but the establishment don't even accept who I am. So, I, I came out to a couple of mates, and they were really good. That they, they were great. Uh, they kind of accepted it. They thought it was quite cool. Um, then I came out to more friends, and I, I ended up losing most of my friends because they didn't understand what it meant to be gay, and they didn't. Want Want anything to do with me because they thought it was disgusting and perverted because around that time in the newspapers it was seen as something that was very 
that was very awful to be gay because, you know, AIDS was still very much out in the public sphere. Was this the 80s or 90s? Yeah, or? yeah, this was the 80s, you know, so it was kind of like, you know, like AIDS was like this big thing and it was seen as only affecting people who were gay. And um, so the response from lots of my friends was for them to not want to speak to me ever again. But then I had a small hardcore group of friends who did, they really were okay with me. Um, and that really helped a lot. I also I also think what helped a lot as well was we were two teachers in my in my school. There was um, one teacher. I won't sort of mention him or what he taught, but he 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 was very clearly gay, and um, and he didn't seem to hide it, and he seemed to be quite proud. And there was there was another teacher who was trans, and she uh, she'd been to the, she'd left the UK as a male, uh, been to the United States and came back as female. And uh, I just felt a real affinity with them I felt this real affinity that um, it was almost like they were role models for me uh, have an actual live role models there I don't think the role models in the media were, were, were people that I really felt an affinity with it was the immediate role models in my life that mm. I thought wow they're real people and I can see them and speak to them so did they perhaps give you the strength to eventually come out to your parents then? Yeah, yeah, I think they did, you know. Um, I think, um, you know, my feelings have been building up for a long time. Um, I was really getting very, very strong feelings. Uh, those feelings were like kind of feelings towards other guys, um, wondering why I couldn't be with other guys as well. I mean, homophobia was still really rampant in, 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 in the school, but I thought, you know what, I thought this is something I need to do to be true to myself and to be honest to myself. And, I th and by that point, I'd started reading lots of stuff as well. So I'd be started reading lots of books about kind of people's gay experiences. Lots of famous writers like James Baldwin. Um, well, we'd read some of the war poets like Siegfried Sassoon and Wilfred Owen as well. And just kind of knowing that they were gay people, Oscar Wilde, made me think, wow, these are like kind of regular people. And there's nothing weird or strange or odd about them. Mm. And it, it was nice in a way, because I thought, well, if people can accept their difference, maybe they can accept my difference too. So I came out and I was, you know, I was happy with the response that I got from some people. I told my parents, it was appalling. It was awful at first. It was so, it was heartbreaking for my mum. She was very tearful for such a long time because she didn't know what it meant. She was confused. Now, I'd heard both my parents make comments about gay people on TV saying that they were disgusting and they were awful, uh, saying that they were in league with Satan and this kind of stuff, you know, that, that they point to these sort of, uh, sort of queer people on TV and just have no understanding of what they were about. So, so, so my mum just needed time to kind of process stuff. She was very, very upset for for a number of weeks, um, and we didn't really talk except over the dinner table. I, I, I really thought that, that they were going to kick me out. Then my dad, he he reacted by saying that he could take me to the doctors because the doctor had tablets that could make me better and cure me of my gayness. Uh, so that was an interesting conversation. But mm. what was great was I knew at a very deep level that there were no tablets that could treat gayness. That actually. At that point in my life, I actually felt older than my dad in terms of wisdom because I thought, wow, dad, you do know that, that, that this is not something that's treatable and that there are no tablets that exist. Mm -hmm. And I told him that. I said, actually, dad, there aren't any tablets that a person can take to stop their gayness. And he kind of conceded it. And then he 
kind of sat me down and he said to me that through his trade union, because he was like a, a shop steward, he was like a, a, a big trade union, a big trade unionist, he'd, he'd actually fought for some of the freedoms of some of the gay employers in his workplace. And he'd never really spoken about it. And uh, he said that, um, you know, he, 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 was, he was always able to accept gay people in the workplace. He just couldn't accept his son being gay. Uh, because it was too close to home and it felt too uncomfortable. So that made me really angry. <laughs> I thought, hang on a minute, if you can befriend people in work and be okay with them, but you can't befriend me and I'm, I'm, I'm your son, I'm, I'm your kid, then I don't understand what, what, what that means for me. And there was a real sense of, uh, there, there, there was a real pallor that this cast, you know, uh, there was a real poor that they sort of cast um, on the household. Like, you know, it was really quiet and stuff. And Must have been very upsetting for you. Yeah, very much so. I just felt like... I, fe- I actually knew what they were thinking. They, they were wondering how this fit in with their faith and with, you know, uh, with being Muslim and not understanding where that f- fitted in with their faith. I did eventually tell my brothers... I've got two older brothers. And I remember telling each of them separately... Um, with their girlfriend's presence because I was so terrified that they were going to be physically violent towards me, that they were going to attack me in some way. But actually, their responses were just really wonderful. Like, both my older brothers said, look, you know, are you sure? Are you positive about this? And I was like, well, yeah. And and, and I'd heard them come out with homophobic comments, like, throughout my entire life. So... um, and then they said, well, if anybody starts on you, just tell us and we'll, we'll, we'll beat them up for you. Um, which was really nice. And that was their way of letting me know that they still accepted me and, yeah. you know, were OK with me. But again, I could see that they need, needed some time. Both my older brothers kind of like, they kind of let go of their uh, religious beliefs um, at quite a young age, I guess, because I was the youngest. I was still trying to be the favourite of my parents sort of thing and and be uh, accepted by them, so kind of retaining, you know. Um, and being a good Muslim boy. Being a good Muslim boy, yeah, that's what it's all about, you know. They were so proud of kind of praying me in front of other Muslims and saying, this is our youngest, and he's a, you know, he's really good because he, you know, he prays like, you know, sort of uh, every Friday and he's at mosque every Friday and he's, you know, this, that and the other. I was kind of like the golden boy sort of thing, you know. They, they didn't speak to other Muslims about my older brothers because they'd seem to have let them down in terms of not taking on the faith, you know. So how long did it take for your parents to to come round and fully accept it? Because I think that is the stage you're at now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they fully accept it now. It took a long time. I, I think it's been a real journey for them. I think it took them years. And I think as each month went by, they gradually, incrementally began to accept it more and more. They were happy to... Um, they were happy to talk to me about everything except for that. Mm. They were happy to have my friends over as long as they didn't know about my friends being gay or not. They said, we don't need to know if your friends are gay. We we just want to know that they're your friends and that's that. And I was like, right, in other words, you don't want to know if I've got a boyfriend. And they, the, the, it was a, a, a big learning curve for them because mm. they just didn't want to know too much 
personal stuff about me, too much details. And that upset me enormously because I thought, well, actually, I don't want to lie to my parents. I don't want to hide from my parents. I want them to see me for who I am and not from who I'm pretending to be because I pretended for such a long time. Um, I'd hid for such a long time from people. And to reach that point of revealing myself and being open and honest was was so liberating and freeing for me. And then having parents who were asking me to not be that open and to not be that liberating, I mean, and, and to not feel that liberated, almost felt as though they were kind of slowing down my pace. Um, they certainly didn't want me to tell the extended family, absolutely not. They, they didn't want my aunts and uncles and cousins to know because um, they were afraid of uh, not only the way in which I'd be treated by the extended family, but how they'd be ostracised. They were so terribly worried that, you know, my, my aunts and uncles and cousins would cut them off, you know, and not speak to them so, ever again. So how did that pan out then? What stage are you at now? Well, and, well, now, I mean, like, all, all, most of my cousins know because, like, you know, they're younger and they're a lot more open-minded. Uh, my aunts and uncles would rather not know. Um, and my cousins, I don't think my cousins have told my aunts and uncles. So it's still something that is kept quiet. Mm. Um, but, yeah, my cousins are really cool about it. And some of them are gay and, you know, I've got friends who are gay and, um, yeah, they're absolutely fine. And what I can say about this stage in my life is is uh, things are very very different my parents are now politically very supportive of gay causes they support gay marriage and gay equality um, I've managed to reconcile my faith with my sexual and emotional orientation so I'm able to uh, be somebody who can still have a faith but still be gay as well um, and a, a lot of the support that I got was online support from from um, lots of uh, services like Al Fatiha. Al Fatiha is a gay Muslim organisation. They have a chapter in New York and a chapter in London, um, and they've got an amazing website, a wonderful website, and it kind of it's there for for gay and queer Muslims who are looking for answers, who who still want to have the comforts of faith, but at the same time don't want to have to choose between their faith and their sexual and emotional orientation. So that really helped a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've reached that point now where, you know, as a, 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 a fully formed, uh, as I'd like to think, a fully formed a sort of queer guy, I'm not f fully formed in anything else in my life. I'm still learning and I still will, I still will be until the rest of my life. But um, that's something I feel like really, really sort of um, happy about. Um, and, and I'm out to everybody now. I'm out to my employer. I'm out to all the people I work with. Um, you know, I don't really feel the need to hide anymore um, because I, what I'd like to do, come in full circle, is do what those two teachers did for me and be an out role model for other queer people. They really helped me, so now it's my turn to kind of give back. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm out in, in, all, in every situation that I'm in, really. Well, it's brilliant. So you have totally come full circle and you're so happy with yourself and your life and your sexuality. So if there were people listening that are at the beginning of your journey, because it is quite a long journey, isn't it? But if the people listening that are at the beginning of their journey, 
What little snippet of advice could, could you give them, do you think? It's great to listen to others, but choose the, the voices that you keep inside your head. You don't have to keep all of them, uh, especially self-doubting voices. We live in a heteronormative world in which, on a daily basis, we're told that we're not normal in, in, in subtle ways or in overt ways. What's really useful is to remind yourself that your queerness is positive, it's good, it's wonderful. Doing that morning affirmation to celebrate your queerness is so important. There are some great books online. You can go onto websites, book websites, and get some wonderful daily affirmation books for 365 days of the year in which you can really help to undo some of that heteronormativeness that, 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 that exists in the world. The, certainly, I don't have a problem with heterosexual people, never have done, never will do. Uh, but, but we do live in a world in which there's a certain norm, and it makes us question ourselves, affects, us, affects our mood and our confidence and our self-image. So, yeah, you know, kind of recognise that the culture out there doesn't always reflect who you are as a person. Uh, you can change that culture. But at the start of your journey, just know that the feelings you have are normal. Just know that the thoughts you have in your head are normal. And just know that what you feel is what you feel. And it's something that one day you'll feel so wonderful about and so happy about. Even if you're struggling, give it that extra time. Just give it that extra week or month or year because it absolutely does improve. Thanks so much to Richard for sharing his story with us and being so open. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. I'm Emma Goldswell and Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On media production. Coming up next time, you'll hear from JP a young Latino man growing up in L.A. Once you start really thinking about the gravity of what the sin is, quote-unquote, then you almost feel like like you're fucked, like you're going to hell, like there is no recourse for you because that's basically what the Bible says.